Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of The Forever Student. With this show, we provide you with the tools and resources to become the best version of yourself. And today will be no different. We have Jeffrey Boadi on the show. He is the founder of The Wealth of Health, a resource that's aimed at promoting plant-based health, wellness, and performance. And we don't just talk about his plant-based journey and the different lessons and misconceptions and benefits that come alongside of it. We also talk about supplementation. We talk about routines. We talk about fitness, recovery, sleep. This is definitely an all-round episode. I learned a tremendous amount from it. I hope you will too. So happy listening. So without further ado, Jeffrey Boadi, welcome to The Forever Student. Thanks for having me, bro. I really appreciate it and uh, looking forward to it. Really excited to have you on. I, like we had a little conversation just before we went on talking about, you know, everything that you talk about in your content. I feel there's a lot of relevance, especially for our listeners and a lot of things to be learned from because it's not just the plant-based journey that you've been on and that you're currently going through, but also just all aspects of health that you cover, which I'm fascinated by. But I think for starters, could we kick off with a little bit about your plant-based journey and maybe some of the lessons that you've learned along the way? Yeah, yeah, sure. So started in 2017. Uh, I remember my sister, it was kind of at a time in my life where I was becoming more open to kind of getting new information. Um, it's quite ironic because I think around 2013, I knew someone who had gone vegan and I was so against it. So come 2017, I was starting to come a bit more open and expanding my kind of or wanting to expand my knowledge about certain things. And my sister uh, mentioned to me a documentary called What the Health, which was on Netflix, which I watched. And it's strange because it literally shifted my entire perspective on nutrition overnight. Now, I do caveat this by saying that I tend to steer people away from making like such, you know, knee-jerk reactions from a documentary because documentaries can be quite biased. But I think for me, it had such a profound impact in terms of I now almost felt like I had the tools to go and actually do research and to look into how I felt, you know, nutrition could be optimized from a plant-based standpoint, but also making sure that it um, was optimized from a position of health and performance as well. Um, and with that, I just kind of dived into the research and was reading books, podcasts, just looking at everything. Um, and then really kind of, as I said, switched overnight and then dived into it um, headfirst and, found myself creating loads of recipes and trying to understand okay how can i optimize this for health and wellness and nutrition because i still trained and i still wanted to you know have an optimal um you know optimal function in, in that regard um so yeah it's kind of like sort of after the first year or so i really felt like i kind of got to grips with it and um, i did notice some really really good benefits after a few weeks uh, but after a year i kind of understood okay now i know what supplements to take now i know how to structure my plates properly now i know how to um, you know, just make sure that it's as optimal uh, and as, as diverse as possible. And that was when I started sharing stuff on social media after that. So, and then, yeah, so, you know, forward, fast forward to 2022, um, still, as I said, you know, the community has grown, but still just wanting to provide real actionable tips for people to, you know, move towards a plant focused lifestyle, but also not just that, but also looking at other elements of health, because I've, you know, I've, I've felt that there's so many different elements that you can incorporate into your lifestyle. Um, so I've just been really diving into those, as you mentioned before, mushrooms, different supplements, movement, it's all a really holistic process and just trying to give people the tools to you know, take their first step as well. Yeah. And I think often what happens is people look for that one thing to fix everything. Right. And I think to your point, like you can't look at diet and nutrition to 
to solve everything, nor can you look at like this magic supplement to fix everything. Like you look, need to look at it from the bigger picture. But you, you spoke a bit about benefits that you saw quite early on. What, what did that look like? So after around two weeks, so as I said, I completely cut me out of my diet right off the bat. And I was sort of, you know, rummaging my way around in terms of how to, you know, get, you know, good sources of protein and how to balance my plates and, and, and things like that. And but after two weeks, I was sleeping incredibly well. Like I was sleeping so well, whereas before I'd maybe get eight to nine hours sleep, but feel really tired. But I would get eight, eight hours sleep and literally just jump out of bed. I had so much energy in the morning. I had more energy in general. And I felt, I used to eat a lot of meat. That's the thing. I used to be a very heavy meat eater. And I think maybe for me, I perhaps overconsumed meat, which made me feel a little bit sluggish. Um, so perhaps it was, it was, you know, something to do with that. Um, I also really noticed that I had a lot of clarity of thought, and this is something that I really can't put into words per se, but I know there's a lot of people who have, obviously it's anecdotal to me, but a lot of people who have gone on the plant-based journey as well have spoken of something similar. I just felt like I was thinking a lot clearer, you know, maybe there was just, maybe my gut wasn't optimized and obviously we know how much the, you know, your gut impacts how you how you think in terms of mental standpoint, um so yeah sleep was a lot better energy i felt lighter i felt like i had more mental clarity um felt like i was recovering pretty well in the gym maybe I mean, not like you know doing you know heavy sessions and then the next day i do another heavy session i just felt like i was just recovering well i didn't feel like i was losing out in any kind of way um so yeah those were really the main ones and i think you know those still kind of have maintained to this day and when you first jumped in i mean in terms of challenges maybe that you had along the way because for me i mean i eat I eat meat frequently, but also, you know, like to have my vegan or vegetarian days uh, a bit more frequently now than before. But I think making that switch for for someone who's going cold turkey, essentially, which you, I suppose you did, how, how did you do that effectively? Was it really because like you saw the results immediately that you were like, well, I mean, it's working, but did you not have like, you know, a craving for a steak or a burger or something like that? You know what? It's really interesting. And people have asked me this and I really didn't have a craving for anything. And bearing in mind, as I said, I used to love eggs, love cheese, love chicken. I just don't know. I just felt like I was now, okay, I was like, okay, these are the decisions around nutrition that I'm making for myself. I actually think, you know, there could have been an argument for me to maybe just reduce my meat consumption and increase plants. And I think I would have still been healthy. You know, I think there's obviously a lot of dogma in the plant-based space where they believe that that's the only healthy way to eat, which isn't entirely true. But I just felt like, it, I don't know, I just felt really convicted by that decision. Of course, I started noticing certain benefits, but in terms of certain difficulties, I didn't notice that. So I, I, from the outset, I wasn't really eating as much as I needed to. And then I realized that, you know, plant-based foods aren't as calorie dense as meat. So I had to increase my volume of food. So I actually lost a couple of kilos on the journey, but then quickly rectified that and arrested that slide and then, you know, got back up to the way that I wanted to be at. Um, and I guess, as I said, structuring my plates, because at the start, it was a lot of, a lot of legumes, a lot of beans, um, lentils. And I was also eating, interestingly, eating a lot of falafel. (laughs) It's just, again, I was just trying to kind of get my head around everything, but then I kind of settled into a a routine and a flow of, you know, in the mornings, getting my oatmeal with my nuts and seeds and berries and plant protein lunchtime, you know, whether it's a kind of some kind of Buddha bowl with tofu or tempeh and, like a whole grain like quinoa get some healthy fats in with avocado and then dinner like a lentil bolognese or some other bowl you know something along those lines as well so as i said the challenges i faced i kind of quickly arrested them and as i said because i was continuously just reading and research and 
just doing that experiment on myself. So I was able to really find my way around it pretty quickly. And uh, my favorite topic when it comes to the discussion we're having is misconceptions. Basically like discussing if you're looking from the outside in, you know, I'm, and I'm sure you have, you know, you receive these questions every single day. What about this? And what about that? What are some of the common, you know, questions that you get and how do you address those? The most common one I think that you probably noticed is about the protein. You know, we've obviously been advised and, and led to believe that, you know, meat is the superior, by far the superior source of protein. And I guess if you look at animal products, for example, you look at chicken and you compare that to one source of plant protein like black beans. Yes, that is a soup, it has a superior amino acid profile. But the realization that, again, that I came to on the journey was that to maximize my protein intake, I had to eat a wide variety of plant-based protein sources to balance out all the essential amino acids that you can only get from food. So again, it, that's one of the, again, one of the misconceptions people say, oh, you know, where you get your protein and, and things like that. But then you actually realize like, you know, beans, lentils, tofu, tempeh, hemp seeds, uh, even oats, you know, seitan, there's so many, such a wide variety, chickpeas, such a wide variety of plant protein sources to dive into. And then another misconception that I think sometimes harms people actually within the vegan community is believing that just because something is vegan, it automatically makes it healthy, which again, isn't true because you can be eating Oreos, you can be eating, you know, crisps, you know, drinking Coke. These are all, you know, products that are free of, you know, animal derivatives, but they're not healthy foods, you know? So the real, for me, the, and my, my focus has always been on a healthy plant-based lifestyle. Yes, I, by definition, I'm a vegan because I don't, you know, I don't really wear leather. And obviously I refrain from using any animal products, but my primary focus is making sure that people can thrive on a healthy whole food plant-based diet and making sure you're getting in your fruits, vegetables, nuts, seeds, whole grains and legumes, mushrooms, greens, and that wide variety of plant diversity to make sure that you're going to thrive on a day-to-day -day basis. So that's another one of the misconceptions that I think is slowly you know, starting to dismantle, people are realizing that just because something is vegan, that doesn't necessarily make it healthy. But of course, it's obviously being made difficult as well by certain companies bringing out, you know, processed vegan products, which are, you know, continuing to confuse some some sections of the public. And if you if you were to actually, no, let me let me backtrack here, because you, you started talking about like how you construct, how you started constructing your plates, and how you how you started basically putting different ingredients together. How did you go about doing that? And then the follow-up question would be like, what if someone is listening to this and says, okay, cool, like I want to start going a bit more plant-based, whether it's a meal a day or all my meals or whatever it may be. And I want to understand like how to go about that. Um, how about how about to go that process as well? Like what would you what would you advise to them? So I think I quickly realized in terms of the structuring of plates, that the, one of the most important things to have is diversity. So you want to get a real diverse range of plants across um, in, in any particular meal. So for example, when I have my oats in the morning, I'll have, obviously I'll, I'll make the oats, but then I'll put a banana in there. I'll have cinnamon, great for lowering blood sugar. And then I'll put like an array of nuts and seeds and fruit on there. So I might have raspberries, blueberries, hemp seeds, and walnuts. So that's already like seven or eight different plants. And why that's so important is that we're seeing so much evidence now that our gut bacteria is influenced by the diversity of plants that we consume on a day-to-day -day basis. So I advise people just to try and get as much diversity as you can, you know, if possible. And of course, if, you know, speaking to the perspective of someone trying to get more plants into their diet, whether it's one day a week or, you know, one, you know, or one week or one day and whatever, I think that's a really good idea trying to just go slow, 
you know, not trying to, you know, do everything all at once. And then just stroke focusing on trying to get a good quality source of protein on your plate, whether that's lentils, whether that's tofu or tempeh or seitan or something like that. Maybe a complementary protein like beans. I mean, beans are a good source of protein, but not as high as some of the others. And then I really love whole grains. You know, they're you know been linked to you know reduced risk of disease from of dying from multiple causes. So I love quinoa or buckwheat or ancient grains like teff and amaranth are really good. But more accessible ones like brown rice, you know, quinoa, buckwheat. These are ones that anyone can get from anywhere really. Um, avocado, really good source of healthy fat. I love those. I think those are really good to get onto your plate. Um, so that's already there. You've got a really good split of, you know, your unrefined carbohydrates, um, whether that be grains or even something like a sweet potato as well. Good source of protein, whether it's tempeh or tofu. And then as I said, healthy fats, avocado. So yeah, it's, and, and then as adding some other things like that, you know, maybe when you maybe want to add some sprouts or something like that. So diversity is the key. Yeah, totally. And I think one of the things you touched on was gut health, which I would love to dive a little deeper into as well. Um, I think there's a lot of... It's just a lot of information for us to absorb and it's always tough for us to know who we should listen to who we shouldn't but in terms of your experience with you know gut health just in your own uh in your own opinion with maybe people that you've worked with in the past what kind of benefit does the vegan diet or the plant-based diet give you when it comes to that so one of the things is that a lot of uh, plant foods have each specific plant has a different type of fiber that will ferment in your colon that your gut bacteria will feed on or if you're eating fermented food you can get live bacteria into your gut and then what that does is it produces um, metabolites which are called short chain fatty acids so you've got butyrate uh, propionate and acetate and these are really really powerful in terms of disease prevention you know metabolic health you know reducing risk of type 2 diabetes and things like that so Trying to get, I think, as you said, there's so much noise in the, in the gut health space and people trying to compete. But I think one of the most powerful things that people can do is just to try and eat a minimum of 30 to 35 different plants per week. Try and get that diversity in there. Try and get as many different plant fibers into your gut. You know, looking to hopefully prioritize fermented foods if you can. So things like sauerkraut, kimchi, miso. I think there was a study done in Stanford which looked at the impact of uh, fermented foods over over a non-fermented food diet, and the non and the fermented food diet had a better ratio had a better impact in terms of increasing microbial diversity and decreasing inflammatory proteins. So yeah, I'd say getting thirty to thirty five plants into your diet per week, um, and even counting them and making it quite fun, you know. And it, it and you'd be surprised because I think one of the things that I actually did in, in the start of my journey was you tend to eat quite a lot of the same foods. So as you realize the importance of diversity, you start to branch out, you go to the supermarket, pick up something that you've not eaten before or not used before, look up a recipe or just experiment in the kitchen and see how you go. So getting the... Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, that also keeps it interesting, right? If you have that diversity, like, I guess you could get a bit, a bit more creative um, with with what you're eating. When um, when it comes to supplementation, it's a, it's a topic that I'm always fascinated about, but outside of the supplements that you're taking um, because of the vegan diet, maybe there's a shortage of certain things in your body. Like what do you generally recommend people to take or what have you seen maybe people are generally deficient in? So I think one of the biggest, um, I mean, if we can just briefly touch on the ones from a vegan perspective, so B12, omega-3, DHA and EPA and vitamin D. Of course, if you're in a hot country, then you probably don't need to supplement vitamin D. But if you live in London, like me, where you're lucky to see, you know, only a little bit of sun, vitamin D is a good shout. 
I think beyond that, I think it's important to actually, you know, I think the vegan community can get focused really on those ones, but actually not, you know, miss the bigger picture. For example, magnesium, I think is a critical nutrient. I think, you know, it's, it's, it's responsible for over 300 enzymatic reactions in the body and it actually helps with transportation of, you know, uh, actually helps with metabolism of vitamin D. So it's actually very, very key. Um, and it's so, you know, very good for sleep, uh, recovery, muscle cramps, you know, all these types of things. So magnesium is one that I think everyone should, I mean, it's one that I take every day without fail. Um, I take it about an hour before bed, really helps me sleep really well. Um, I'm trying to think of any others that I take at the moment. So, I mean, I, t- I take a, like a multivitamin blend from a company called Athletic Greens, which is really good. Um, it's got a real like 75 vitamins, minerals and whole food ingredients. So that's really key. Um, I started to experiment, experimenting with a few actually. So I recently pulled my hamstring about well, about six or seven weeks ago now, and I was using glucosamine and also oh, what was the other one called? There's another herb. I can't remember. Really good for anti uh, anti inflammation. But again, I think it's it's so important. Like there are so many different supplements that we can look to use to help get us ahead. And I think supplementation gets a bit of a bad rap because people think, oh, if your diet's good, you shouldn't need to supplement. But that's not entirely true. You know, I think supplementation can help us to get ahead and optimize certain nutrient levels. And of course, we have to think about the the, the nutrient, the, the richness of the, of the food nowadays compared to 100 years ago, for example. It's just not as nutrient dense. So supplementing to fill the gaps, I think, is a very smart move, regardless whether you're plant-based or not. So uh, there's always something that we can look to to, to help optimize our, our, you know, whether it's nutrient status or you know, training, recovery, and things like that. So yeah, those, those are the kind of ones that I'm looking at at the moment. Yeah, totally. And I think magnesium and, and vitamin D particularly have, you know, they're, 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 so, they're so deficient in so many people um, that if you're listening to this, there's actually likelihood you're deficient in one of the two. So, you know, the first thing you should always do is just go and get tested, like test your blood and see. What's funny actually is from a vitamin D standpoint, even in hot countries like here, usually people with... Uh, darker skin colors. So I'm half Indian, for instance. My mom is vitamin D deficient because her when, because when you have a darker skin color, it doesn't absorb the sunlight the same way as if if you're if you're lighter skin. So even even her, you know, you look at her and you're like, there's no way she's vitamin D deficient, and she was. So it's um, yeah, it's always interesting how how that uh, how that works. Um, it's a very interesting one, vitamin D, because as you say, because of the epidermal melanin blocks the UVB rays of the sun, I would need to be out in the sun four times as long or four times longer than a Caucasian person to successfully synthesize the same amount of vitamin D. So that's why I actually feel it's very important, particularly for people with darker skin to really be focused on their sun exposure or particularly in the winter months, look to supplement. But again, as you mentioned, uh, as you rightly mentioned, always get your get yourself tested. Test, don't guess. Yeah, that's a good one. And can you talk a bit about omega-3s? Like what's your experience with them? Um, are you currently taking one that you feel is 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 solid? Um, talk us a bit about that. Yeah, so from the plant-based side of things, of course, if you're not, you're not going to be eating fish if you're on a plant-based diet. Um, so DHA and EPA, so you've got these, the two, uh, the two long chain omega fatty acids that aren't present in plant foods there. We have ALA, which is the shorter chain fatty acid, which is present in chia, hemp seeds, flax seeds, and walnuts. But then what that requires is a, a conversion to the long chain omega-3 fatty acids. Now that conversion can be quite it can be pretty good depending on what your omega-3, omega-6 balance is like. 
Um, and again, of course, if your omega-6 balance is out of whack, that's most likely because you're eating a number of processed foods, highly inflammatory foods. Um, but I, for me, I just think just to cover bases, just to take an omega-3 supplement, uh, I, don't, I don't really see you know, why anyone wouldn't at this point, especially what we know about its benefit for brain health and heart health and things like that. So I think it should really be a staple in every, um, to be honest, for anyone really, you know, people, loads of people take cod liver oil um, who aren't plant-based because they know the benefits of it from, from, from a brain health standpoint. So I think the same should go for a plant-based uh, dieter really looking, looking to optimize that. Yeah, totally. And I think also if you're, I mean, if you're active, just from an inflammation standpoint, it's, it's so, so helpful as well to take. Um, before we, before we move on to some other, some other topics in terms of your content, I mean, it's fantastic. It's very educational. Um, like I've learned a lot. And it's one of the reasons that I, that I reached out to you and, and wanted to have you on the show. What is sort of the goal behind what you're doing? Like, what are you trying to help people see or feel or learn? So if I think, if I go back to my experience, as I said, when I, the, the experiences that I witnessed when I moved towards, towards a plant-based diet, and I didn't really have much health consciousness before I shifted to a plant-based diet. My aim is just to bring as much information to people in a way where they can improve their own health consciousness. Because if we have a healthier society, we have a more productive society, we have a more friendly society, we have, a, we have just a better society in general. And a lot of the information that I put out, I know that it's just not available to most people. And of course, you know, most people are on their phones nowadays and checking Instagram. So if they're able to actually learn something on a day where they may have, you know, they're not in school and they're not having to, you know, try and learn something in a controlled environment, then that could have an impact on them. And I think, you know, of course, when you're in the content creation world, there's loads of opportunities that present themselves financially, which is fine and great. You know, of course, I'm not going to, you know, I'm very grateful for those, but I think the most impactful thing that's come from it, for me, some of the messages that I receive from people where they say, oh, you've helped my, my mum and I lose 40 pounds and I'm healthier, or you've really got me out of my funk and I'm, you know, really help, you know, really getting onto my diet and feeling great and my mental health is really improving and my mental clarity. Like those are the things, you know, I want to really just impact as many people as possible. I think there's like, that's like a loose goal. And I, I just want to feel like every day, if I get to the end of the day, can I ask myself, have I impacted people? Have I, you know, got to a place where I think I've given value to people? And if I can say yes, then I'm, then I'm moving in the right direction. So just a desire to, you know, have people become more aware that their health is in their own hands as well. And they can take control um, because we're often led to believe that we're not in control, that we have to outsource it to other people. And, you know, of course, you know, we have so much admiration for doctors and things like that in terms of what they do for society and emergency services. But what we do on a day-to-day -day basis, what we eat three times a day, how we sleep, how we train, how we manage our stress, these have huge downstream effects. And it's just about letting people know that they can take their first steps to achieving that. And do you help people... I want to say professionally as well. Like, is it something that like if someone approaches you and says, listen, Jeffrey, like I really need help with X, Y, and Z. Is that then a person that you take on as, as a client potentially, or like what's the, what's the process there? So this is something that I've actually been thinking about because that's not something that I do at the moment, but you know, I've had a lot of, you know, inquiries about it. Um, and it's something that I'm potentially considering because of course, you know, there are people out there who, who would have you know wanted my help and, and i would love to provide that and i have done certain some things in the past in terms of meal plans but i don't particularly like meal plans because i don't want i don't want people to feel like they have to follow something rigid i want people to find their own way and and, and flow in that regard but yeah i think I, I would like to potentially work with people at some point but i guess 
at the moment I'm more more focusing on the on the macro and helping a wider variety and, and a bigger range of people and then I guess we'll have to see what happens in the in the long term with that yeah totally that's fair moving on to uh, I wanted to speak a bit about like routine so for me routine has always been extremely important I have a very set morning routine I've got a very set evening routine that doesn't really change sometimes the times change but in terms of what I do and when I and how I do it um, I'll never sacrifice that and the reason I do it I mean very simple like my my mornings it helps me set up my day right it helps me set up my my mind most importantly and my body so I'll get some sort of meditation and I'll get a workout in uh, coffee very important to me as well uh, like most people here but um, what's yours and like is it something that you that you value is it something that you recommend so I think I think routine is important I, I it's interesting because I mine tends to you know vary somewhat I think the ideal morning routine for me would probably be something along the lines of waking up early and just going for a walk whether and then listening to a podcast and just just getting loose, getting some sunlight in my eyes, which is really important as well for optimization of our circadian rhythm. Um, so that's that's probably what that would look like. And then I don't typically like working out, doing heavy training sessions too early in the morning. I like to get some food into my body, first of all, and then train around lunchtime. But if I do work out in the morning, sometimes I might go for a light swim just to just to get things going or maybe go to the sauna and, and you know do a bit of sauna and some contrast therapy, sauna and cold shower. My evening routines, I think that my evening is one that's pretty much locked in. Um, so around about nine o'clock, um, I'll start to wind down. I'll get a variety. I mean, I have a variety of different things that I look to for sleep. So I could either go, I mean, magnesium is the one that I take pretty much every single day. Um, I sometimes might have a reishi, reishi mushroom tea. I know we spoke about mushrooms not too long ago. So reishi mushroom is something that I will do as I said we know that how good that is for calm and just relaxation herbal tea so whether it be something with like uh skullcap or lemon balm passion flower those are really good herbs for sleep and then I'll just keep the lights really dim because I want to continue to optimize that melanin production and then I'll tend to sleep around about 10 30 every night so my, my my nighttime routine I try to keep that as solid as possible mornings can sometimes get away from me um, but nighttime is the one that I tend to stick to the most. Yeah, totally. I think the reason for me mornings are so important is um, I just want to be in control of the first few hours, right? And like, I, I want to do it in a way where I wake up, I have an hour or an hour and a half before everyone else wakes up, before I step out of the door, before I check my phone, right? Like basically being ready for whatever whatever comes my way. Because the thing is, as soon as you go on Instagram, as soon as you go on your email, as soon as you go on WhatsApp, like any sort of news can trigger you. Anything, anything can happen. Now, if you've, if you've done any sort of movement, if you've done any sort of journaling, meditation, you know, had some food in you, had your coffee, and then it happens, at least you're ready for it, right? So for me, I, don't, I never recommend anyone copy my morning routine. I think it's something that's deeply personal from both from a time standpoint and from you know, what you're actually going to do in it. Um, but I just think that, I guess maybe for me, it's like just staying away from my phone in the morning as long as I can, you know, until until you, uh, and getting sunlight before you actually see screen light. Yeah, yeah, that's a good shout. I think one of the things that, it's funny because this week actually, I've been really trying to be very, very disciplined with not looking at my phone for at least half an hour, 
at the very least half an hour, sometimes longer. I know on Monday I did around an hour and a half and then you come and look at it and you're like, oh, I've actually, as you say, I've gone for my walk, I've gone for a swim. Like you feel like you've, you know, bulletproofed yourself for the rest of the day for whatever happens. So if you see a notification come in or you see an email, you know, I, I just think it's, it's, it is quite bad practice. Like as soon as you wake up, look at your phone, you know, and I've, I've been guilty of doing that, you know, a lot, but I'm now really starting to realize the, the benefits of actually just staying away from it. Because then you realize actually you, you, you're exercising discipline and the phone doesn't control you in any kind of way. You know, and these devices, we know how addictive they are. I think we're all, we all have some level of like addiction in some way. You know, some people can control it. Some people, you know, really struggle and have to be on their phone all the time. But as I said, what I find really important actually now and, and looking to do this consistently is just not looking at my phone because I, I just don't, I don't need to. And when everyone's, as, as you said, when everyone's sleeping, whether it's 6.30, 7 o'clock in the morning, just going for a walk or, you know, going in the park and reading a book, that's just way more impactful. And then you can come to everything else when, when you can come to it. Yeah, and I think it's just difficult sometimes to distance ourselves from it, right? Like once you're on Instagram scrolling and then, you know, 20 minutes later, you're like, oh my God, I just spent 20 minutes on this thing looking at other people's lives rather than just living my own. You know, it's one of those things where we're all guilty of it, right? So it's, you know, you've done it, I've done it, every listener has done it, where they've just gone through this. But I think first thing is the awareness piece, like being aware that you're actually doing it. And maybe, you know, putting like, I started putting these timers on my apps where it's like 30 minutes on Instagram, an hour on WhatsApp, an hour on email, whatever it may be. Um, and then at least when the timer goes off, you're just like, okay, I'm aware of it now. Like maybe it's time to step back a little, but it's not easy. No, of course it's not. And I think, you know, these, 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 uh, these platforms and these apps have been created to do just that, to keep people on them as much as possible. And it takes discipline. You know, I, I think it was uh, last week I was, for whatever reason, I wanted to check my emails or check my Instagram. And that just had to tell myself exercise discipline. And I put the phone down and then just got, went about my day without using the phone. So it is hard and it shouldn't really be hard. But I think this is just a way that these apps have kind of they've wired our brains in some kind of way. But it's tough. But I think, as you mentioned rightly just then, it's about that awareness, having that awareness, because it's very easy to get lost in that just scrolling for, for minutes. And then you, as I said, and then it's an hour and a half and you're like, wow, where's all the time gone? You've just not actually done anything productive. And then once that awareness piece is locked in, then you can start to exercise discipline and, you know, look at it when you need to look at it, but don't let it take over your life. I like this little internal dialogue that you have where you say exercise discipline. I think having that inner voice reaffirm something is important. Like, do you have any other not necessarily similar dialogues, but do you have any other moments throughout the day which are tough, right? Like it might be waking up early, it might be like pushing through a workout, it might be whatever it is. Do you have any other, I suppose, tips or tricks to to just get through it or to do it? I think, yeah, that, that inner voice is really important. If I'm, if I'm on the treadmill doing a run, I don't like running, but I know how beneficial it is for my longevity, for my cardiovascular health. I still love to play sports, football, tennis. So I know how important it is to be really fit. And of course, you, you're getting into the middle of a run, you know, you're maybe getting towards the last three or four minutes. And we know three or four minutes on the treadmill was like an eternity. You just got to speak to yourself, just actually just talk to yourself because your body will want to just pack it in. But your mind, if you can control your mind, if you can control the direction that your mind is trying to take you in and just talk yourself out of it, you can, you can, and again, it's not easy. It's not something that, I just picked up overnight because I hated running for a long time. Um, 
and I really, I still really don't like it, but I know how beneficial it is. So it's about just reframing the perspective and telling yourself, you will feel great once this is done. You're not going to die while doing this. And once you do it, you will feel incredible. You will feel like you've accomplished something. Same goes for waking up early. I don't really want to wake up at 6.30. I'd rather just stay in bed. But telling yourself that, you know, the benefits of it, you're going to have a bit of time just to yourself when it's quiet, when you can either get some work done, whether it's, for me, it's whether it's video editing or, as I said, going for a walk or going to going for a swim. Just get that time to focus on what I want to do before I have to do anything else. And then another one is cold showers and ice baths. That's one where you really just, you, no one wants to do that. But you know, I've, I have my cold shower practice pretty much every day where I'll have my normal warm shower and then I'll turn it to cold for about you know, 90 seconds to, a, to, to two minutes. And I just speak to myself in the shower and I'm just like, listen, this isn't uncomfortable, but you're going to make it through. Like you're going to be good. And then when you turn it back to hot, you're going to get that rush, which is going to feel incredible, that dopamine rush. And you're just going to be much better for it. And actually you've, you've, you've bolstered yourself for the rest of the day you've let yourself know that you can accomplish something which you didn't really want to do, but you battled through it. And that gives you just that, that almost gives you like a heads up and, and that head start ahead of everyone else, essentially. So, so yeah. Yeah. And it's funny because the, the two things you mentioned, running and cold, it's usually like a very short duration that you feel uncomfortable with, right? Like it's like the last three or four minutes on a treadmill or two minutes. I mean, what is two minutes? But when you're under a cold shower, feels a lot longer than two minutes, that's for sure. But I think what, what I started doing is, is telling myself it's just two minutes. Like what is two minutes of your day to dedicate to something that's, that's important? And, um, and the other thing that I recently went through was I, I had to wake up to, to train. And so I'm, I'm training for a hundred kilometer run. Um, and so obviously there's a lot of training involved, you know, six, seven days a week. And, um, I had to meet my coach, I think at 8 a.m. And uh, this was like a weight training session on a Friday. And I woke up at seven and I was like, not today, like not today. And then you start having this internal dialogue and I'm like, no, no, no. there's someone waiting for you in an hour in the gym. You have to show up. You're not the type of dude who's just gonna, who's just gonna ghost and just bail on the guy. So then I started having this internal dialogue. It was like, okay, cool. What's the latest I can possibly wake up in order to still make this workout? And I was like 7.30 or 7.40 or something like that. And, um, and I made a promise to myself. So imagine being half asleep and it's like, Stefan, do you promise that you're going to wake up in 30 minutes and you're going to do this workout? And I was like, I promise I'm going to do it. And as soon as I made that promise, I was up. I was like, okay, cool. I'm going to go. I'm not going to sleep anymore. I'm ready to go. So... I think one, the two lessons there, one, accountability, like having someone on the other side who, um, you know, one is rooting for you, like to do well, uh, but two is counting on you to show up, right? And showing up is, is half of the work. And, uh, and then secondly, making promises to yourself, because if you, can't, if you can't hold a promise that you make to yourself, then, you know, your word means nothing anymore. And to me, that's something that's like super important. 100%. Your word is bond. And I think it's, it's a mark of integrity if you stick to your word. If you don't stick to your word, if you make a promise to do something, I feel like that's disrespecting, as I said, whether it's someone on the other side who's waiting for you, but it's also disrespecting yourself. If you can't keep a promise, if you can't stick to what you said that you were going to do, those words came out of your mouth, then what, what, what else can you do? You know, how, how, can you, how can you see yourself as someone of integrity, you know, someone of respect? So, yeah, I think it's very, very important that once you say something, you're going to do something, you do it. 
Yeah. And I think it's in life, right? Like I think it's with, with anything that you say you're going to do, do it. And it's so much easier said than done because even the smallest little things, right? Oh yeah, I'll do the dishes today if you tell your wife that. And then you don't do the dishes. Like it's it's little things like that where you're like, why why did I overpromise and underdeliver? Like why would I do that? And then again, it's just an awareness thing. And then slowly but surely, I think um, I think you're still getting used to that. But just going back to workouts. So what does you know? What does your average workout look like? How often do you do it? Um, are there things that you recommend everyone do? Um, for me, it's something like, okay, walking 30 minutes a day is something that, that anyone, pretty much anyone can do um, and already has huge benefits. But like, where have you seen what works for you the best? So it's funny because I, I generally like to just do a combination of everything. I don't even really have like a, a set routine, I'd say, for training. I mean, I, in the gym, if we look at resistance training, I'd probably do maybe three sessions in the gym, pull, push, legs. But then I also like to swim, as I say, in the mornings also playing sport so I used to play a lot of well I used to play a lot of football growing up I was you know went to a few different countries to try and play pro I went to US I went to Norway and Austria so football was was a huge part of my life so sport was sports like very much ingrained into me and um growing up also playing tennis as well so I started playing tennis again you know my older brother's a coach so we started getting into it and I find that fun but you're getting a serious workout so I think for people actually the, the, the key is really just to find something that they actually like doing if you don't like going to the gym, then you can train somewhere else. You can still get the benefits of resistance training. If you don't like gym environments, and I can understand why people may not like them, but I think resistance training is really important. I think that's something that really everyone should look to do if we're looking at longevity and bone density and preventing muscle loss, particularly as we age. Um, as you say, walking is something that anyone can do. Just going for a walk will just get yourself moving. You know, clarity of mind. If you're at home, you're, you're, you're a little bit agitated for whatever reason just go for a walk put some shoes on and just go for a walk preferably somewhere where there's nearly you know near a park i know not everyone has that luxury but if you do then that's that's great um but yeah just find something that you enjoy doing like i i love sports so i, I love playing tennis i love swimming i love i do i do really enjoy training and, and weight you know lifting weights and running and you know anaerobic and aerobic activities so I think finding something you like and just split getting it as much across your day as much as possible is just going to be impactful in so many areas. Yeah, and also the variety. I mean, like you said, I mean, you do all these different things, which, which, uh, which keeps it fun and keeps it interesting. And I think if you can do it in nature, going for a walk in the park or by the beach or wherever, um, also makes such a big difference. Like I was just in Europe for for a month or so and and we were surrounded by nature and you could just feel the difference immediately you can feel the difference and when you're disconnected from that it's um it's unfortunate it's tough but then obviously you have to make the most out of your environment so whether you get the 30 minute walk in on a treadmill or you get it you know outside in an urban city um just getting it in is something that's that's important so the last question i have for you one of the topics i wanted to discuss because it's it's um it's quite interesting to me now, especially training for this race and, and having to push through a lot of discomfort. Um, what What's your relationship been with discomfort and pushing through it? Like, how do you view, I guess what I'm trying to ask you is, um, do you enjoy being comfortable or do you embrace the discomfort? 
or both? Yeah, I mean, of course, we, you know, I think humans, we're, we're evolved to some degree to like being comfortable. We like to lie in a warm bed. We love a warm shower. Like, I love a warm shower. But I also realized the mental benefits, the discipline element of having a cold shower. No one, I don't think anyone, for the, 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 there's nothing that feels good about a cold shower. But you know that if you do it, you've really like fortified your mind and let yourself know that you're not going to be victim to the comforts that I think we naturally seek as human beings. And that's really powerful. In the morning, you've set yourself up for the day in many ways. So I think it's important to embrace some level of discomfort and really exercise discipline. You know, I think a lot of people say to me, they're kind of almost surprised that I've, you know, stuck out a plant-based diet and a really healthy lifestyle for, for five years now. But for me, I'm just like, I actually enjoy it. I actually enjoy the process of, you know, contributing to my longevity, contributing to my wellness, being able to inspire other people. Yes, it's going to be difficult at times when I'm like, do I really want to go and train today? I don't want to train all the time. I don't want to get in a cold shower all the time. I don't want to make a healthy bowl of food all the time. But I know that once I get over that initial, you know, initial innate human comfort and push past that and do what I know I need to do, because I feel that's what discipline is. Discipline is doing what you know you need to do. Once you do that, it's only benefit. It's only benefit from there. There's, There's nothing that it never at any point did anyone regret having a healthy meal. Never did, it, did anyone ever regret having a cold shower. You never regret having a good workout. So it's important, like you're not going to want to do these things all the time and embracing that discomfort and pushing through that is going to have so many benefits mentally, physically, spiritually, further down the line. So yeah, I, as I said, you know, I love, I love a warm shower, but I think for the, in the long term, those downstream effects of embracing the discomfort of a cold shower and other elements of, of health that I, that I do is really powerful. Do you think it's because you kind of know what your, I suppose, what your why is? Because everything you're now doing, right, when you're doing cold showers and eating healthy food and getting a workout in, it's all sort of tied in towards, you know, let's say longevity, towards clear mind, towards X, Y, and Z. Do you think that you're, you're building, like, it's... I don't want to say easier for you to build your discipline because it's not easier, but it's just more purposefully done. Yeah. Uh, you know, what you mentioned there about finding your why, it's very interesting because I actually did a video just about this. I think it was last week. Finding your why, particularly for people who are at the, you know, the embryonic stages of trying to build a health journey, having a concrete reason why is going to really help you moving forward because if you don't know why you're having a cold shower, you're not going to do it. You think, what's the point? I'd rather have a warm shower, feel nice and warm and feel good. But everything has its intention. I think it's so important to live with intention. You know, why am I eating healthy? Because I want to, you know, be well, well into my 80s, 90s and 100s. Why am I training? Because I want to have that muscle mass. Why am I having a cold shower? Because I want to fortify my discipline, challenge myself, you know, boost my dopamine level. So everything has its intention. So having intention is really key in, in terms of, particularly if you're at the start, as I say, like, you know, you might feel, you know, people might be listening and think, you know, where do I start? Just try and find the intention as to why you want to do what you want to do, because that will help you stick to it in the long term when the going will get tough, because at times it will. Yeah, I think you're, I think you've nailed it. I think it's also just, yeah, finding your why one, I would always suggest, you know, doing as many things as possible, trying a lot of different things and see what you enjoy doing. And then, like you said, understanding truly what the, the reason that you want to do it, not why everyone else wants you to do it, not for uh, for what you're seeing on Instagram, not to copy that person or this person, but like building out the self-awareness and understanding why you really want to do it. Uh, so before we say goodbye to you, Jeffrey, where can people find you 
online on Instagram, etc. Yeah, so you've got my Instagram, which is just my name, Jeffrey Boydy. Um, got my Twitter, which is the same name, but just an underscore after that. Um, I share a lot of my content in different ways on TikTok as well. So that same same um, username as my Twitter. And also my website, which is www.thewealthofhealth.co.uk, which you know, you're able to sign up to my newsletter there. I tend to put out two newsletters a month just with some of my insights around health, whether it's plant-based nutrition, sleep, you know, nutrition optimization, things like that. Um, so yeah, those are the main areas where people can find me. Fantastic. Listen, thank you so much for being here today. We, uh, we really learned a tremendous amount and I'm sure the listeners did too. I encourage everyone to check out Jeffrey's content. I, uh, I find it highly, highly engaging, very motivating and super educational. So thanks for being here. I appreciate having me on, man. Thanks a lot.